0: Many of you here, and of course, as Julie's rightly said, there's loads of kids down and leaders down in the, in the uh, room downstairs having an absolute blast. Uh, just give you a little bit of an update as well with regards to Mansfield. Um, I was there last week. It's just going really, really great. There's numbers of people who actually spoke to me this week or emailed me and said that they're actually over there. So there's a few people who you'd normally see around here who've gone over to the Mansfield campus uh, today. And uh, it's just going great. You know, it's, it's great when you go into a place. So for those who don't know, we, we pioneered Mansfield about six years ago. And we, we, we used to do mornings here and then evenings in Mansfield. But, you know, about eight weeks ago, we took the strategic decision to actually go to Sunday mornings in Mansfield, which was a big, a big jump for us, really. Um, that was led by Stephen and Alini, our campus pastors for Mansfield. And so, of course, you can't be in two places at once, so I'm typically here, but going to Mansfield once a month. So last Sunday, I was there, and it's always great when people don't know who you are, because that tells me that there's new people who are coming through. And it was great that I was there. And there was one or two people who had no clue who I was. And I loved that. And uh, it was just good to see just a great sense of God, a great atmosphere, an arena culture. So it just felt like you was, you was home. And uh, it was just terrific. But please, can I ask you to keep praying for the guys over in Mansfield. They're praying for us. We'll pray for them. And we'll believe that God will do something amazing in both towns. Can I hear a big Amen. amen. Uh, it's been a very big week uh, for, for me and for some of the other team. We were, I was away for a good four days and uh, just with uh, at our national conference, the, the fellowship of churches that we belong to. And uh, it was also my joy. Who's ever uh, read the, the book, The Circle Maker? Just give us a wave by Mark Batterson. Okay, numbers of you. It's a series that we actually uh, put together a number of years ago and uh, it was always a little bit of a bucket list of a person that I would have liked to have met um, because when I read The Circle Maker it really impacted me and as a result of The Circle Maker book uh, we, we, we really stepped into believing God for more and as a result of that that's when we purchased the Mansfield building and we also had took on the factory I don't know whether Lisa you can remember we just took that factory unit which runs our community hub from and um, so it was always somebody who I would love to have met, and uh, I had the joy of hosting him. So for the whole conference, just picking him up from the train station, and, and it's always lovely when you get to meet guys who are becoming fairly well-known in the Christian world, uh, around the world, because you always wonder, I wonder what they're really like, because you can look great on the stage, but off the stage, you can be a pig, and, uh, and I've come across some people, literally. <laughs> Have been great on the stage, and they've been an absolute pig off the stage. I'm sorry, I can't say any other way. Rude, not not open, you know, demanding, you know, very very unChrist-like. It's not how we behave. I just need to make that. It's not how we behave. But this this guy, I want to tell you, he was sweet as honey. He was terrific, just a great spirit, carried a great humility, just a wonderful, wonderful man of God. So. Uh, it 's great that there are don 't believe everything you hear about these North American pastors. There are some great ones, okay, and um, God is at work all across the world. as Julie said, we have our series, a new series called frequency there 's going to be numbers of guys who are going to be speaking into that. But I wonder if you 'd just for a moment turn with me to One Corinthians and chapter two, and then we 'll read a few verses together, and then i 'll just unpack what we 're going to be looking at over this over this series. So if you've got that, that would be great. Hopefully it will come onto your screens as well. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6. Just before I go there, but Paul is basically, in 1 Corinthians 2, is comparing the wisdom of men versus the wisdom of God. There is a difference. There are some people who are wise in the world standards, but actually what we are meant to be as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, there is a wisdom that supersedes the wisdom of men. It's called the wisdom of God. And here we see Paul arguing with, the, with or in his writing, talking about that he didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but he came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And then verse six, verse 6, he says this, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom that's amongst the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. You see, there is a wisdom that can be of the age. He was not talking about the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. I don't want to be uh, political here because we're apolitical. But there can be at times a wisdom that politicians, that government leaders can spew out. But it's it's a wisdom of the age. It's a wisdom of the rulers of this age. But they are coming to nothing. He says, no, we declare God's wisdom. A mystery that has been hidden. And that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. Verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But we have it revealed to us by His Spirit. Question, how do we have the revelation of God, the mistress of God? We have to tune in to God. We have to tune in to God. If you want to walk well through your life, we've got to tune in to God. This series is so important. I'll tell you why. Because we live in a world full of noise. Now, I'm not opposed to noise because some people would like this church to go quieter. We're not going to go quieter. We think it's good as it is. I know some of you wear earplugs at times and we love that you get the vision and you'll do that for the sake of the love of this church. And we love that. But there is noise around us. And some of that noise is good and some of that noise is bad. There are some noises, or shall I use another word, there are some distractions that can take us away from God rather than to God. Can I Hearing our men is that, is that would that be true in our lives? There are some things that can help us to hear God, and there are some things that can take us away from God. so what we 've got to do is we 've got to tune in our frequency in our hearts to the things of God. That is what Paul was addressing. He was saying that there is' something of the spirit that he wants to reveal to his people. And we have the Spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ. We can hear the things of God, but we've got to tune in. That brings me to yesterday. Yesterday morning was a little bit of a lazier sort of morning. Yesterday was a day of preparation for me to go through the notes and just trying to give myself, it had been a full week, hardly had any time to think or, uh, or breathe in, in many ways. But yesterday morning was a little bit lazy and Caroline was already up, I came downstairs, and as we try and do on days like that, when it's a little bit lazy, Caroline or the kids, because our Isaac loves cooking, uh, particularly when you know, there's food involved, he's, just, he's in there, okay? And uh, particularly if there's bacon and eggs and all that kind of stuff. So we had a, we had a, a full English yesterday, it was terrific. And one of the, my favourite Christmas presents that Caroline has ever bought me was a digital radio. She brought me this digital radio many, many years ago so I can get worldwide stations. I can listen to the news and to the music of the world. I love it. But yesterday, Caroline just said to me, Christian, the digital radio is not working. And we play the radio all the time. We haven't got a TV in our lounge. We've got it in our den purposely. So when we're in our lounge, we just have music. We don't want to be distracted by, you know, the, the, the TV. That's just our, our choice. We, but we listen to, to music. But the music wasn't playing. She wanted a bit of atmosphere. I think she wanted a bit of romance, actually. But anyway, we won't go there. She wanted a bit of atmosphere as we were cooking the breakfast. And, but the jolly internet radio wouldn't come on. The red bars were there. So what I had to do, I had to turn it on and off, and that wouldn't work. Then I unplugged it, that didn't work. Then I said to Lilia, will you turn the internet off? Turn the internet off, pull the plug out, put it back in, still didn't work. So I thought, I'll go into the radio, whether it needs a software update. Anyway, it did. There was an update that came down, still didn't work. So what I thought to myself was, I'll just leave it on for a few minutes, and hopefully it'll rectify itself. And sure enough, it did. Something happened within the frequency... That enabled us to connect to the music station. You know sometimes there's things that need to happen in our own hearts. We need a new download. We need a a reboot. We need a restart. Anybody getting it with something that just needs to happen here. That we start to just connect again. Because we can easily become distracted or cut off from the frequency of God wanting to speak to us. So this whole series is around frequency. It's enabling us to tune into the things of God. We're going to be talking about how we can hear from God. We're going to be talking about understanding essential, timeless spiritual disciplines that are going to help us. We're also going to talk about unanswered prayers. I promised you last year that I was going to talk about unanswered prayers. And on that particular Sunday, I, I trust that you'll come, and if you're not able to be here, listen to the podcast, because I really got a message to it. I think that will minister and help people with unanswered prayers. We all have them. But today, I want to talk about frequency and prayer as a means for breakthrough. Prayer as a means for breakthrough. Breakthrough is a military term. It's where you're able to break into something. You're able to break through enemy lines. You're able to break into something that where you presently weren't, you're now stepping into something greater or bigger or more powerful. And God wants us to step into all that he has for us. And we can do that through prayer. I wonder if you're just turning your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5. And I just want to read from verse 16 through to 18. They're very, very short verses these are, and this is what it says, rejoice always. There are only smiles around the place, because that will tell me if, if we're rejoicing. <laughs> rejoice always. Yeah. Then verse 17, yeah. pray continually. Yeah. And then it says in verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, these verses are very succinct. Have you got the uh, imagery of Paul? He's thinking, "I've got no time to waste here." How can I say this? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. He's wanting to make a point, and I'm wanting to use this just for a moment as we launch in to the whole thought of prayer. It's interesting, the position of the text that I would just want to work on for a moment of verse 17, pray continually. The position of this text, pray continually, is really, really interesting. Because it comes immediately after the instruction to rejoice always. This, I don't know about you, it makes me ask, how can I always rejoice? Because I don't feel like rejoicing always. Anybody with me? When the alarm clock goes off at 5 o'clock in the morning and I've got, I got to bed at silly o'clock at night, you know, do anybody want to rejoice with me? When everything's kicking off in the church and people have got a lot to say for themselves, that never happens in this church, of course. When we haven't got enough money coming through and we've got these bills to pay, when we've got an insurance claim, we're on a building that we didn't burn down, no fault of our own, but the insurance company now won't pay out and we have a £32,000 bill. Am I meant to rejoice? You must be kidding, God. Anybody ever had those prayers? You must be joking. So how do we, how do, we do this? How do we rejoice always? Well, the apostle answers it by saying, by always praying. We can always rejoice by always praying. You see, the more praying they do, the more rejoicing we do. You see, prayer gives us a channel to release our pent up hurts, and we all have them our frustrations, the pains, the pain of each of our souls. They flow away. And instead, streams of joy and satisfaction, they pour into our hearts. At the same time, the more rejoicing, the more praying. When the heart is in a quiet place and full of the joy of the Lord, then it will also draw near to the Lord in worship. You see, holy joy and prayer act and react upon each other. I'll say that again. Holy joy and prayer act and react upon each other. I honestly believe it's possible for our lives to live as a continuous prayer. Our words, our conduct, our thoughts at one being offered to Jesus. But the cold, hard truth, hard, hard truth of this. Through research, it's found that the average Christian prays between three and seven minutes per day only. Now, Mark Batterson, who I was with a few days ago, this is one of his quotes that he said makes from the Circle Maker. And he actually made it again at the conference. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. I'll say that again because it's worth saying it. When you pray to God regularly, irregular things will happen on a regular basis. So I want to clear the fog because I think there's a bit of mist. For those who've been Christians for donkey's years, I still think we can have a fog about prayer when we think of prayer. And for those who are new to faith, there can be a fog of prayer. To be honest with you, we over-spiritualize it. We just make it so complicated. We make it so, so mystical. It is mystical, but so unreachable. And I want to try, where possible, to just unclear the fog. So the first thing that I want to say is this. What is it? What is prayer? Well, simply put, it's communication. It's communication. It's not relentless speaking. Because how, when it's what Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5 pray continuously you're not telling me that you're just going throughout the i mean that would drive me bonkers we all know people who talk too much don't we look at the person next to you. if you you might be sat next to them they just talk too much has anybody want to be bold here has anybody been told you talk too much just put your yeah i'm in the club i'm in the club Prayer is not us talking relentlessly. <laughs> it's impossible. So, when he talks about pray, continue. I believe that our, our life can become a prayer. And there are times when we speak, and there are times when we. Oh, if if my two eldest daughters were there they'd say, "Dad, don't do that," because you've got massive ears. They all say, "I've got massive ears." We have to listen. You know, it's a true true fact that your ears continue to grow. Sound will be like Dumbo by the end of my lifetime. But uh, there's a thought. Eh? Prayer. Prayer is a dialogue. It's not a monologue. Listen to me. Listen to me. God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. It's a two-way communication. So that is it. In essence, it's communication. Communication. So where do we do it? Where do we do this? I'm trying to just clear all the practicals because we've just got so worked up of what it is. You don't have to come with highfaluted words. Just come as you are, with your language, as you are. Well, where do we do it? Well, some people would say, well, we've got to do it in a church. No, because it says pray continually. So if we were saying pray continually, we'd be living in the church. Lisa used to think that I used to live here many, many years ago when she came to faith, didn't you? (laughs) Not making fun. She used to think that. I remember she was telling a story. She came down. There was an issue. She rushed to church. Where's Christian? Well, he's not here. What do you mean he's not here? It was almost like not a comprehension that I didn't live here. And some people can live like that. The Christians, when you found faith, this is where you live. No, 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 no. Listen to me. It, it's impossible for us to just live in this church. We we have houses. We have homes. We have flats. We have apartments. Where we live, we do life. So some people think, well, we just have to pray in the church. That's impossible. We're to do it wherever we are. But just some practical thoughts around this that I think are really, really important. That I think it's important that we find a regular place. If we're going to do it, where do do we do it? Well, find a regular place. This, This chair is in my office and... I have, I have an open door policy with, this, with the staff. The staff, My, my door is very rarely um, closed continuous, continuously. Some people would live like that management-wise. I don't. My door is open to the staff. But the staff know that if I'm shutting my door, I'm either on an important telephone call or I'm praying. And at that point, they're careful in terms of just walking in. And this chair now sits in my, I've had a chair previous to this, sits in my office. Because when I sit in this chair, this is a place for me to pray. This is a place for me to think. This is a place for me throughout the day. There may be a complex thing or a need that I've just heard about. I've just had something come through through the prayer team. And immediately I'll just go here and I'll just bring it to the Lord, Lord Jesus I just bring this context to you. I don't even know these people, but I ask that you would touch them. And I ask that you would do something incredible in them. If I'm praying for my kids, if I'm praying for Caroline, if I'm praying for you guys, it's in this chair. Now, at times I'll get up and I'll walk around, but for me, it's a place. What I'm trying to say is, where do you do it? I'd encourage you, those who are starting, to just find a place. Find a regular place. Use that as a starting point. And in that regular place, in that starting place, whether it's in a chair or whether it's in a room, it needs to be a place of quiet reflection. And what I'd encourage you with as well, because if it is true that we on average only pray between three and seven minutes, this is going to be a big challenge to all of us. And you've heard me say this before, but I think it would do as good. is a challenge. I'll sum it up right at the end. But why don't we do the 30 by 15? If you're taking notes, right, 30 by 15. 30 days of 15 minutes. And in those 15 minutes, five minutes of prayer. And I've already told you what it is. Just lifting your heart before the Lord. Bringing Him your needs. Bringing Him your thoughts. Five minutes of just reading a few verses of Scripture. And then five minutes of just reflection. Often that reflection can be with a pad. That you're just noting down some things that He might be saying to you. Because I want to tell you, God wants to speak to you. He's got something He wants to share with you. 30 days for 15 minutes and what will happen is as we begin to do those things it will become a practice it will become a habit and then it will become a joy and this is where we need to do it wherever you feel comfortable some people do it while they're on a run that's fine some people do it while they're in the car. For me, I can pray to the Lord, but it's impossible to have quiet reflection in the car, particularly on these roads. Anybody here in our So what is it? Where do we do it? Well, how do we do it? Well, this is where the real issue comes because many of us hear the lies of Satan. This is the, this is the voice that he whispers in my ear. You're not worthy to pray to God. You're not worthy. Remember that, what you thought last week, Christian. Remember that word that you said yesterday. Remember that attitude you had to that staff member. You're not worthy. Remember what happened all those years ago when you were, when you were a young, young lad. Remember, he brings up, he brings up and we start to believe that actually we're not worthy. And so it gets in our minds and gets in our hearts. So we think, I'm not worthy. So I can't pray. I want to tell you that is a lie from Satan. It's a lie from Satan. Some other people say, well, I can't see him. I can't hear him. I'm not talking to the air. My particular point around that, we've heard this as an illustration. I would love for a blast of air because it's warm on this stage to come through at this particular moment. But we know when there's a blast of breeze, we can't see it. We can see the effects of it on a tree or on some plants or whatever. But we can feel it. And that is like His presence. I can't see Him. I've never seen Him. I've never heard His audible voice loudly speak to me. But I know He spoke to me. It's been like a breeze. It's been like a breath of fresh air over my life. And there are people who come into this place and you're overwhelmed. There's people who I've spoken to and they said, I don't know what's the matter with me. I just keep crying when I come into this place. I try and break the ice by saying, I know my preaching's bad, but I didn't realize it was that bad. I joke with them. And I say to them, listen, what it is, it's God's presence, it's just God's presence it's cleansing you, it's touching you, it's God, it's God at work in you, well it happens in the worship, yeah, and they get embarrassed, they don't get embarrassed, so if that's you, don't get embarrassed, it's just God at work, it's just God working in your life, it's his presence, we may not be able to see him, we may not have heard him audibly, but we know he is real, because he's at work in our hearts, and in our lives, But as we do come, there are just five things quickly that I want to say that I think we should come in how we do it. We should come with forgiveness. We should come with forgiveness. What I mean by that is ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins. I actually appreciate at times the enemy, Satan, what he says to me because he'll remind me of something that that I did the day before and I thought, I've not asked for forgiveness for that. Thank you and I'll go to God. Lord, please will you forgive me of that. I turn it on its head. Because I know that's going to give me a free access into his presence. It enables me. So as we come before God, we need to come with forgiveness in our heart. He says there, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We come with forgiveness in our heart. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give you opportunity to come to God with just forgiveness. If you need him to forgive you. If you need him to cleanse you. If you've never committed your life to Jesus but you know you you want Him in your life, then you can just come and ask Him to forgive you, and He he will. Secondly, we come and we tell Him our needs. We tell Him our needs. That's what I do. I tell Him what I need. Lord, I need Your wisdom in this day because I've got some important meetings. Lord, I need Your wisdom because I'm going into a really, really contentious meeting and it could really get to a punch-up, and I don't want to get to a punch-up. I want to be calm. Will You help me to be calm? Lord, will you help me with my kids? Will you help me to be a better dad? Will you help us with our finances? Because it's a bit tight this month. As we've given to you and we've honored you, we just ask, Lord, that you'd bless us. We give him our needs. My dad needs a touch of God. Just touch him. I'm not ashamed to come with our needs. He actually says, come with your needs. In fact, this is what it says in the Bible. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety, cast all your cares all that you need upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. That's a lie of the enemy to say that, 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 um, that God's not interested in you. I want to t- say to you, he is an everlasting father. He is a loving father. He wants to hear your needs. Thirdly, we come with thankfulness. This, is, this could seem very prescriptive, but I don't always come, oh, I've come with forgiveness. I've come with, but it just becomes a flow of your life. I'm just giving you some practical points. We come with thanks, thankfulness. What am I th- principally thanking him for? Well, I'm thanking him for he died on a cross at Calvary. I'm thanking him that he's, he, he, he paid the price for my sin. As Helen encouraged us, he, his, his, body, his body was broken so that we could find freedom. And it says there, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I'm thankful for the cross. But I'm also, it talks about in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we've read it, in everything, give thanks. Fourthly, I come with confidence. I come with confidence. Are you still with me this morning? I come with confidence. I don't just come with thankfulness. I don't just come telling my needs, but I come confidently to him. And I only come confidently because it says in the Bible this. In him and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God. What's those words? With freedom and confidence. I want to tell you that when you come into God's presence, as you find your place, you can come confidently, knowing that God loves you, knowing that God wants to hear your needs, knowing that God wants to hear the cry of your heart, knowing God wants to know all about your pain. He doesn't just want to know how good it is. He wants to know how bad it is. You can pour it out to Him and you can come confidently to Him with freedom and with confidence, approach his presence with confidence. It says in Hebrews four sixteen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And lastly, we're to come with expectation. With expectation that he's going to deliver. With expectation that he's going to break through. With expectation that he's going to do what I'm asking him to do. With expectation that he is going to bless the people that I'm praying for. With expectation that he is going to increase this church. With expectation in our hearts. Whatever you're expecting for. We can come with an expectation in God. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 5 verse 3. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. Any expectant prayers here today. You see, prayer, how we do it, in essence, is stating our utter dependence and reliance upon God. That's why I pray. God, I need you in my life. I can't, you know, I'm pretty self-sustainable. Caroline's one of those. She loves people around and the kids around and whatever. In some ways, we're very different because I'm actually very comfortable with my own company. I'm pretty self-sufficient in many, many ways. And I can be pretty, you know, easily distant in many ways. Quite happy. And also quite resilient. Yeah? Yeah. Just keep walking through and keep plowing through. But this is why prayer is so important for me. Because it takes my eyes off me and puts my eyes on Him. It takes my attention off my heart and puts it onto His heart. And it takes... My eyes off my strength and puts it onto his strength, which is far greater than mine. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Prayer helps me to humble myself. I'm I'm, I'm before the Lord. I'm saying, God, I cannot do this. I can't fix this. If you're a fixer, you can't fix everything. But there is one who can. His name is Jesus. There's a father who can fix everything. He is the one that we depend on. Upon, So hopefully I've cleared some fog. Is that helpful? I know you may have heard it a million times, but hopefully I've just tried to help you in these 30 minutes to clear a bit of fog. So just give me five minutes. Because now I want to take you to breakthrough prayers. And I'm just going to give you a list. And you're going to have to look at them in your own time. But this is, again, something that Mark Batterson has said in his Circle Maker book. And I remember these things from when I read it. He says this, the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered because they go unasked. You see, we are very easy. We can come before God and give us this day our daily bread and Jesus tells us to do that. But what about believing for the impossible? What about stepping into the impossible? Now, you can't go from a starting point into believing for the impossible. But this is just to inspire some faith in some hearts. What about some impossible situations that outside of God, they're utterly impossible? Can we believe that we're going to step in and ask the unanswerable, uh, you know, the unasked and believe that they're going to be answered in Jesus' name? Can we believe that actually this nation can turn around? Can we believe that Europe can be touched by the power of God? Can we believe that God will break into the world? Can we believe that? Can we believe that Cockman can be touched by the power of God? I received an email from one of our uh, members here this, this, this week, just in dismay about what they're seeing and what they're seeing around the town. And, and just a real intensity. I'm going to pick it up with them. This coming week. Because, you know, can we believe that God can change the culture of this town? Yes. Can we? These are the kind of breakthrough prayers that we step into. I'm not talking about hype. I'm going to keep using this as a phrase. I'm talking about hope. Yes. I'm not hyping you up. I'm hoping you up. Yes. Because in Christ, there's hope. Yes. Here's, some, here's some people who dare to believe for breakthrough prayers. Daniel prayed for God to be known in the midst of living amongst pagan gods. Nehemiah prayed for a city, a nation to be rebuilt. Hannah, she prayed for a baby. Elijah, he prayed for rain. David, he prayed. You may say, well, can you see it? Yeah, I'm telling you, his life was a prayer. As he overcame a giant and Jesus prayed for strength, even Jesus As he faced the cross of crucifixion. These were breakthrough prayers that these men and women prayed. Now, you may say, well, that's good because they were superhuman, spiritual giants, but I want you to read something with me as we draw it to a close. James 5, verse 16. And we see the humanity of a man by the name of Elijah, who was an outstanding prophet of God. And this is what it says The prayer of a person. Living right with God is something powerful. It's something powerful. Something to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human, just like us. I know we're drawing it to a close, but look at the person next to you and see if, or pinch them and see if they're human. And I, I was asking you to pinch them, but. There's no superhuman. There's no supermen or wonder women, superheroes kind of characters here. And they weren't in the Bible either. And it goes on. So Elijah, he was human just like us, but he prayed hard that it wouldn't rain. And it didn't. I tell you what, if somebody's got that gift here, could you just pray over the summer for us? Because that would be wonderful. Can I hear a big amen? amen. Oh Jesus! But I had, a, I had a letter from our little boy. We've got three children in um, two in two in uh, two in Uganda, and uh, sorry, two in Kenya and one in Uganda. And the one in Kenya said, "We have seen no rain for such a long time." So I'm mindful of the fact that we're very blessed that we have rain and we have. But Elijah, he prayed that it wouldn't. He didn't. It wouldn't rain, and it didn't, and not a drop for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. What is my point? My point is this: these were breakthrough prayers. And they were prayed by people who were human just like us. But we've got to learn. If we want a breakthrough, if we want to get a frequency into prayer as a means for breakthrough, then we've got to pray regular. We've got to be persistent. And we've got to pray faith-filled prayers. And these will produce a breakthrough. Listen to me. If we want God to do Seriously, if you want God to do the immeasurably more over this area, wherever you live, West Hallam, Ilkeston, wherever you're coming in from, if that's your heart, that you would just want God to do it over your neighbourhood, in your families. Just give me, wave both hands. If You just want God to do it. All our hands, if we believe it should be up We want God to do it. Well, it's going to come as we humble ourselves, as we pray, as we seek his face. We need to pray circles around That spouse that doesn't know Jesus. That child who's far away from God. That situation that is impossible. That neighbourhood, that town, that area. For breakthrough prayers. We also need to commit to the 30 by 15. Some of you are in that category. You pray between three and seven minutes per day. I don't want to condemn you. I'm just saying there's more in you. And if you would take the 30 by 15, 30 days, 15 minutes, five minutes of prayer, five minutes of Bible reading, five minutes of quiet reflection or writing, God will begin to do something in your heart. And lastly, why are we using this series? Because we do want to encourage you into prayer. Every week, it's regularly on the announcements. 6.30, Tuesday, early morning prayer. Some of you don't make it. Because you can't set the alarm clock early enough. I can't be any blunter than that. Some of you at work, I get that. Some of you got childcare, I get that. But you've just got to search your own heart. Can you get there? And if you can get there, I'd encourage you to get here. If you're believing for a breakthrough in your business, a breakthrough in your family, that need, we need to come together. You might not be able to do every week. What I'm trying to say to you is there's a collective. There's a collective noise. There's a collective gathering of the faith of the people. And we begin to believe God for the immeasurably more. We believe God for the breakthroughs. We believe God for babies to be born and rain to come and nations to be turned and city walls to be rebuilt. Where does it come from? Through prayer. Through prayer. So I'd encourage you in those three areas. Draw sub-circles. Take up the prayer challenge. Come and commit to the 6.30 prayer. Let's believe God to do immeasurably more. I wonder if we'd bow our heads. I wonder if the guys just come and help me by just jumping to their feet. We're going to give of our offering in a moment. We could just remain where they are just for a minute.